welcome to a night of total terror. Episode 12, The Descent. <laughs> the Undead Wookiee is a fortnightly podcast, well-ish, focusing on horror, sci-fi, but there will be times where we dip into other genres because here at The Undead Wookiee, our nerdiness knows no bounds. So like I said just now, we're going to be looking at The Descent, Neil Marshall's great film from 2005. So before we go any further, let's jump right in and have a listen to that trailer. Okay. Give me a smile. Gino, are you sure we're going the right way? I've never been lost in my life. <laughs> There's only one way out of this chamber, and that's down the pipe. I'm stuck. I can't breathe. Okay, Sarah, you have to calm down. I'm coming, I'm coming back. Okay? Okay. Uh. Okay, move! Now! Now! This is not good, guys. Can we get out of here? Which way? I don't know. Sarah, but she saw someone back So what? I don't think I saw someone. I saw someone! No. You heard something and you saw what you wanted to see. It's the dark. It plays tricks on people. Okay, so The Descent, as I said, right at the start of the show, was directed by Neil Marshall. It was written by Neil Marshall, and it stars Shauna MacDonald as Sarah. It stars Natalie Mendoza as Juno, Alex Reed as Beth, and Saskia Mulder as Rebecca. So the plot, well, again, as most horror films, and we seem to, I seem to say this an awful lot, is quite a simple one. We've got Sarah and her, well... Sarah's husband and child, unfortunately, are killed in a car crash after the he's picked her up following a white water rafting expedition. Um, a year later, Sarah rejoins her rafting friends for a caving expedition in the Appalachian Mountains. But the plan of the team leader, Juno, to explore the uncharted terrain goes badly wrong and when a tunnel collapses. And very soon they realise they are not the only ones down there. <laughs> um, the cave is quite simply 
Um, and rewatching it again this week, I realised um, just well, one, what a fantastic film it is. Uh, two, how bloody scary it is because it absolutely terrified me when I rewatched it again. Um, you know, there are three things that is, that really stood out for me. For example, like I said, how good it is because it is excellent. Um, it's really, really visceral. It is really visceral. It is a visceral attack on your senses. Um, and also just how mean and nasty it is. It is a really nasty film. Um, but that's not a bad thing, is it? And I mean, what we've got to remember is um, this is a very low-budget film. Um, it was made for less than £3 million. Um, sadly, though, it only brought in £2.5 million. Um, I think what happened was it was released uh, at, I think, precisely the same time as the London bombings. So it's not a particularly um, feel-good film. So I think that obviously had a massive impact upon it uh, upon his take-ins. However, um, there's a lot of love out there for this film. Um, I'm one of his big... I'm a big fan of this film. I'm also a very, very big fan of Neil Marshall. I think he's a he's an outstanding director. But we'll, we'll, uh, we'll come on to him in a bit. Um, you know, there are many really sort of interesting points up to this film. We've got... Um, you've got the gore. You've got the creatures. You've got, you know... And I think one thing that we can say about this, because it's not a perfect film, I think there are issues, and we'll come on to them in a little while, is you've got Neil Marshall really at the top of his game in this film. Um, the one thing that this film gives us is a genuine sense of terror. There's no ifs or buts about it. It is terrifying. You know, from the opening to the end of this film, Neil, pa- Neil Marshall just squeezes every ounce of tension he possibly can out of this. Um, like I said, made for three million. Um, it looks far more expensive um, than three million pounds. Um, it is a great film. And like I said, I'm a big fan of Neil Marshall. I think he is one of the few directors out there who can take a small budget film, um, make it look far more expensive than it actually is but also that he can um, really elevate material that in other directors hands I think it could quite easily become lost you know and then get sentenced to the director video hell because he does deal in genre pieces Um, I mean when you look at you know you look at the body of his work you know Dog Soldiers um, which is a fantastic film I'm really excited because we're going to be covering that on the on the show Um, Centurion um, and even Doomsday, which um, doesn't always get the love that I think it deserves, because I think there's some really, really, really interesting elements to that film. But when we look at New Marshall, obviously we've got to, we've we've got to mention the work that he's done on Game of Thrones, because you know the episodes that he's directed in Game of Th- Thrones and the, the you know the episodes that he's involved in has his has his gory, visceral stamp all over them, doesn't it? And his work is, 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 is it's outstanding. He is um, one of my favourite directors. Um, visually, he is one of my favourite directors as well. You know, I think during The Descent, he crafts such a hellscape. 
um, of an environment. You know, he gives the film a real sense of vastness without ever really, you know, without ever losing that feeling of claustrophobia that uh, that you get. Um, his, you know, he really gives a sort of almost like that sort of um, Dante's Inferno feel to it, um, and it's what it's 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 something that is a major major strength to this film. Um, like I said, I'm a big fan of this film. Um, but for me, one of the really clever and very interesting things that he uses in this film, and he uses it really really effectively, is light. Um, and it's it's sort of obviously there's large proportions of this film that are bathed in darkness, and lots of the light that we use that's used in the film um, is you know from flares being lit, from um, the use of uh, night vision on a camera, um, from you know the you know and just other sort of light torches and those headlamps and those type of things that the characters themselves use. And, you know, that it creates this, this really sort of otherworldly feel to the, um, to the descent. And uh, it's incredibly impressive. I mean, the other thing that Neil Marshall uses uh, to great effect in this is space. The fact that you know that they're in these cramped conditions, you know, they, you know when they're going through the tunnel or when Sarah gets stuck in the tunnel just before it collapses, um, you've got, um, but also in the scenes where you've got just sort of things just out of sight, and I'll come on to that in a little bit, um, the sort of use of space behind the camera, uh, behind the characters, not behind the camera because, of course, we can't see that, but that use of space there, um, which actually is a very interest, is a very, is a very clever psychological trick because... As human beings, we are pre-programmed to become very uncomfortable um, when we have our back to uh, large, dark spaces. It's uh, and he plays on that really, really well. Um, and combining this with that, you know, with the fantastic color uh, scheme that he has, it, it it really cranks up the tension. Um, you know, one scene that does this really, really well is when they haven't long first entered the cave and you've got Sarah hears um, a child's laughter, hears children laugh, children's laughter. And just in the background, now I think it's to, I think it's to the left of her. If you look very, very carefully, you see the shadow of one of the creatures or, um, as they know, one of the crawlers. Um... But it's, it's 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 all framed with the use of the red flare that somebody set off, and it just it just really really sets the scene off, and it's quite unsettling. Um, also, I love the scene um, at the st- sort of early on in the film, and it's following on from the car accident, and Sarah has woken up in the hospital, um, and this is obviously following the death of her husband and child, and. Sarah is hallucinating and the hallucination is very, very much um, a foreshadowing of what's to come. And that for me 
is absolutely it, it's brilliant. I love it, and I love the use of the greens in that. I think it's absolutely brilliant. Um, the other thing as well, I think we is you know we've mentioned the opening is the death of Sarah's family. It is so brutal. Um, it still shocked me. I remember I, I, when I was sat there watching it the the very first time. Um, I think I was still was I still in university or I just graduated. I think I was I was still I was sat in the cinema and I watched it and it just I couldn't believe what I would just seen. And again, when I rewatched this film uh, this week for the show, um, I was sat in the living room and it still still shocked me. Um, it's just so brutal you know the sound of those metal posts smashing through the car it is absolutely blood-curdling um which brings brings us actually to a to an element again which i think we sort of particularly in a horror we kind of get used to soundscapes and those type of things being used but actually um Sound is a major factor in this film, and it really, you know, Neil Marshall's use of sound in this film, um, just sort of adds another layer, another dimension to it. It gives it that sort of primal terror because lots of the sound is off camera, um, which you know, combined with the film being cloaked in lots of darkness. Like I said, it's you know it really sticks to you. It really clings to you, um, you know. And I kind of, again, I think that sort of that 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 sort of element of directorial craft sort of elevates this film um, above just being a splatter movie. Because don't get me wrong, there is lots of gore in this. There's lots of splatter, but actually, the things that are the elements of this film that are the most terrifying. Um, again, is the is the off camera sound, is the lighting, is the darkness, is the claustrophobia, is combined. You know, obviously, you know, I suppose it's a bit of an oxymoron, isn't it? Really, that that sort of combined claustrophobia with the vastness of the cave that the characters find themselves in. Um, the other interesting um, thing about the descent is it's a film that really does. Um, owe a lot to other genre pieces um and it's quite clear that neil marshall's making no bones about that um we've got for example you've got uh deliverance in there you've got that sort of that influence you know you've got a single uh a group of single sex single sex i don't know does that make sense um a single sex group that's it that makes more sense um on an ill-advised trip out into you know pitting themselves against nature it never ends well, does it? It never ends well. Um, we've got uh, you've got the Texas Chainsaw Massacre in there. Um, Sarah's character, um, actually, when you look at her, um, and particularly towards the the end of the film, um, she does look an awful lot like Sally, the final girl from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, you've got um, Alien. Um, when you look at their initial descent into the cave and the sort of um that otherworldly atmosphere that we that we get you know that's you know is a real nod to alien i think and that's just my opinion um but also for me the one um the one thing that one shot that really stands out is and it's a you know 
I think it's a bit of a nod to Apocalypse Now, is when you've got Sarah's character and um, she rises out of the pool of blood, just like Martin Sheen does in Apocalypse Now. Um, and for me, what that, that, that bit is really saying that, you know, Sarah has, throughout the whole thing, she's really journeyed into her own um, heart of darkness. And she's she's come out to the other side totally, totally batshit insane. Uh, <laughs> um, and, you know, I think that, that that scene where she, you know, she rises out of the pool of blood um, and then that sort of, you can see the change, you know, the, the, the real change. You know, she's completely changed as a person. Um, you know, who's obviously and throughout the film, we're given nods to that. She is very, very much. Um, she's of a very fragile mental state, um, and I think that you know that that's you know that's the bit, isn't it? Where where she's she's cracked, where she's you know she is about to sort of um, she's about to do something. Um, that's you know that that that's that what she would never have done before. Her character has completely changed. Um, I think it's a fantastic scene. So uh, I tell you what, why don't we have a little look at that bit? Now, the other person that we need to mention in this film is, um, and I think she does a great job with it because because in, essentially she is the villain of um, of the film, um, but actually. Um, I don't know if she does, if she, she's a villain in the traditional sense. Um, and that is, and her name completely excused. So I'm going to just quickly pretend that I'm uh, waffling on <laughs> while I look at my notes is Natalie Mendoza as Juno. Natalie Mendoza, that's her name. And I think she does a really, really good job. And I think it's really unfair to kind of label her as the villain. Yes. Okay, and I'm going to go into a couple of spoilers here. She's had an affair with Sarah's husband. Yes, it's her fault that they're, that all of her friends are trapped in an uncharted cave and nobody knows where they are. And yes, you could say it's her fault that they're all being eaten. And, you know, <laughs> and she does accidentally kill uh, one of her friends with a pick to the throat. Um, but you do have to love... Um, just how badass she actually is. Um, and I think one of her stand, she's got a couple, she's got some really good standout moments uh, for, um, you know, for example, when she's, when she takes on the, you know, the crawlers and she's uh, trying to drag her friend back. Um, that's absolutely fantastic. Um, I love that scene. And then you've got the, you know, the final scrap where Sarah and Juno are stood back to back together um, and they take on those creatures um, and it again, I've said that said about the film being very, very primal. That sort of that that battle, that final battle, is sort of you can really see that you know it is sort of the primal rage there of both Sarah and uh, Juno to survive um, is absolutely fantastic. Um, it's a great scene. I love that. Um, and it is, it is an epic battle. You know, it is, it is, I love it. I think it's a really, really good set piece. And Neil Marshall does an outstanding job uh, with that particular scene. Now, 
the other thing that's really worth us mentioning is obviously is the creatures. Um, they are. There is something about them that absolutely um, that just goes through me. It makes my skin crawl. Um, it's just how wet and gooey and sticky and pale and translucent they are. They are. They just go through me. Um, and the sort of when researching this, one of the things, and it's only after sort of really reading it, and it kind of clicked because I'm a bit slow like that, is the creatures were designed to resemble Nosferatu. And the transformation uh, that the actors uh, had to go through took three hours uh, to get into the makeup and everything else. But also they, um, they had to have all their body hair shaved off, um, which, is, um, which is commitment to the cause, I think. <laughs> Um, this is the other thing as well that I, I really love about uh, Neil Marshall is he, you know, in order to keep the sort of, you know, the appearance of the creatures, they, it was all kept a big secret from the cast. So until the first scene that, that and again, again, I suppose that's a nod to Alien, isn't it? The, the first time and the first time that the cast sees the creatures, um, that you know in the film it's the first time that they are actually seeing them so when they fight you know the cast were finally filming the scene where they encounter the crawlers for the first time um you know you can see and it, you can see that the cast are genuinely frightened and those screams um you know are are real um and actually one or two of the cast were the first time they screamed and they did actually run off the set they were so scared they they ran off the set. I think that's um, again. I love things like that. Uh, you know, um, that sort of genuine reaction to things. I think that's sort of something that really um, can be missing from a lot of horror films. I think that can be you know can be a bit of a problem. Um, also, um, what Marshall did was during the filming, um, he hired um, professional actors to be the crawlers instead of um, stuntmen or dancers. Now, he famously hired on Dog Soldiers ballet dancers um, to play um, the werewolves. And there's the scenes where you, uh, particularly when you see them in the distance, uh, the werewolves and the dog soldiers in the distance, and they're sort of, they're, um, they're creeping through the fog. And when you look at them, yes, they look kind of odd and kind of creepy, but you do realize that actually... Yeah, they look like ballet dancers on stilts, pretending to be werewolves. Um, and what he wanted was the actors who are playing the crawlers to create um, their own very, very distinct creatures. And I think that comes across really, really well in the film and gives these, these you know, the crawlers um, real character. They're not just the sort of the beastly freaks, to quote Jay of the Dead, um, who pop up. So I, I, I'm a big fan of, like I said, I'm a big fan of this film. And the crawlers themselves are, they just, ugh, they just terrify me. Now, are there faults with this film? Yes, there are a few. And, and I, I don't know, I suppose I feel a little bit nitpicky. But for me, it's, uh, it kind it does drag the, drag the film down a little bit. Um, I mean, luckily, 
the um the faults are you you know the, 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 my biggest issue is at the beginning of the film um when the group reconnect um at the cabin and you've got those initial scenes where they're all just getting to know each other and they were introduced to the characters and it all feels really contrived and forced um and then you sort of you, you kind of get irritated by them or i did anyway you know there's some of the characters that you kind of get sort of irritated by and then you think well yeah well yeah yeah she's dead yeah she's dead she's dead and you don't mind when they get bumped off uh <laughs> i know that's a bit cruel but you know but they are they come across and they're really really irritating you know the and i think some of that is down to the dialogue now the dialogue at times i think is a little bit clunky um and it genuinely lacks the wit of dog soldiers because i think the script for dog soldiers is fantastic um but i think i suppose when you've got you sort of got a very two distinct groups haven't you and i think um sometimes it's quite difficult to write witty dialogue for both sexes i think some writers do find that quite difficult um and i think neil marshall is one of those uh whereas he was able to sort of you know milk dog soldiers for all its laddiness um and that you know but here um it's not it, it doesn't flow as well um but you know there it is and my other thing is the ending um now there are two endings and i'm not going to try and go into too many spoilers about this because you know just in case somebody hasn't seen it and it's a fairly it's not sort of like we're talking about a film from 20 30 years ago this 2005 so it's not too far away um but i mean the two endings to the film now i do prefer the original uk ending uh because well quite like a bit of a downer of an ending i don't know why um but i do kind of like the us ending um you do get that feeling that oh you know you think oh come on she's been through enough now let, let, let let's give her just a glimmer of hope here um but again um i can see both sides of the coin um but it's one of those i don't know it kind of it's just something for me that i wish they had sort of they just stuck with the one ended and not given an alternative uk and us endings i don't know, i don't know why it's just something that's just that's kind of kind of bothers me don't know why but here we go i think the descent is a wonderfully crafted horror um i think it has got some bone crunching elements to it i mean literally bone crunching element to it it is um it's blood drenched um and it's gory and it's got splatter and it's got real genuine horror in it and if it remains with you for a long time afterwards you can't help but think about the film um it's it does stay with you a long time um after the credits have rolled at the end um i think it's a you know it's a great film so what what am i going to score the the descent well i'm going to give the descent an 8.5 out of 10 and i'd say it is a must see and a must own now for our next segment of the show it is what the wookie watched this week 
or as my wife has renamed it, what shit are you making me watch now? <laughs> um, first up is Big Ass Spider from 2013. So we're gonna need a miracle. Spiders happen to be my specialty. I become a spider <sighs> to catch a spider. But isn't this like the biggest spider ever? You could be super exterminator. So I'm gonna help you, and you know like how? Like Robin helps a bad man. Okay, so what is the biggest spider ever? It's 20 inches long and black. <laughs> Sounds funny. Oh, God. What? This is so gross. Oh, yeah? What? Look at this. No, describe it. I'm not going to look. This is, without question, the biggest spider on record. Anything else? Anything else? Um, Ask girl, man. What? Don't be scared. I'm not scared. This thing's huge. Highly poisonous. Aggressive. Fast. Smart. It's strong. This is a big-ass spider. This town has no idea what's coming. God help us all. Now, I I do have a little bit of a, a soft spot for these type of films. Um, I love a creature feature. I really, really do, and I really love um, I love the silliness of it all. Um, so basically, um, you have a giant ass spiders um, or spider, sorry escapes a top-secret military lab and goes on a rampage in downtown L.A. Only Alex and his sidekick, Jose, can save the day. Um, it stars Gray Grunberg, um, uh, Lombardo Boyer, Ray Wise, uh, Claire Craner, and Patrick Buchanan. Um, it's directed by Mike Mendez, and it was written by Gregory Gueres. Um <laughs> As it says on the, as it says on the tin, this film is all about a big ass spider. There are little mean spiders in it, but it is very much in the vein of films like Alligator, um, or uh, you get that sort of um, that sort of mega shark versus anaconda type thing going on there, you know. But what? Um, this film has going for it is that it doesn't take itself seriously in any way, shape or form. Um, it's, it, it's leading man is somebody who, who plays it completely straight. 
Um, but, you know, his tongue is firmly in his cheek. He is incredibly likable. Um, it's one hour and 20 minutes, um, and it's just the right length of time. Um, so it doesn't outstay its welcome. It's funny. It's campy. Um, it's silly. Um, I really, really, really enjoyed this film. Um, I've got to give it, I can only score it sort of um, a five you know, a 5.5 and say it's a low priority rental or, you know, if, you know, at the moment you can stream it for free. Um, (laughs) I think it is. I love it. So guys, if you've got a bit of time to kill, go and watch Big Ass Spider. Fantastic. Okay. Up next, we have got Scarecrows from 1988. At first, it seemed easy. Take the money and drop from the sky. But they forgot that greed grips the mind like a vice. Turning the simplest dreams to nightmares. I'm going to get you, Bert, you son of a bitch. Now it's personal. They landed in the field of a scarecrow. Just some kind of superstitious things that are used to ward off evil spirits. Where's Jack? Fired at this thing. He just kept coming. Bullets don't stop it. What are you scared about, man? Like humans. Somebody is trying to scare us out of here. It's a deadly race. The hunters and the hunted are destined to become victims. Beware of a scarecrow. Kill it or become it. Scarecrows, the stuff nightmares are made of. Um, it was directed by William Wesley, uh, written by William Wesley. And it stars Ted Vernon, uh, Michael David Sims, Richard Viden, uh, Christina Sanborn, uh, Victoria Christian, uh, David Campbell, BJ Turner, uh, Dax Vernon, as Dax the dog. (laughs) Um, And basically what we have is we have a group of mercenaries who rob an army base and steal a plane. However, one of the are uh, these deadly hombres has other plans and double-crosses his own compadres, leaping from the plane, taking with him the, um, the loot. Now the mercs find themselves in search of their money and trapped in an abandoned farmhouse, and one by one they get picked off by an unforeseen force. Um... Scarecrows is a grisly, badly acted, camper than a row of tents, splatterfest, and I loved it. Um, the film manages to make its, you know, make its monsters, uh, you know, the scarecrows. They made them menacing. Um, the gore is great, um, and the filmmakers make the most out of their budget and their location. It's got a, you know, it's a single sort of location. Um, 
it has a feel of that sort of Night of the Living Dead kind of vibe to it. Um, I really, really enjoy it. Some of the performances um, <laughs> are interesting. Um, the uh, It takes a little while to get going, but once it does, um, it's, it, it's really, really, it is great. Um, and the use of gardening implements um, in it is fantastic. Um, pitchfork through the hand. Yeah, you know where we're going with this. Um, I'm actually uh, going to score this a 6.5 out of 10. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. It's completely ridiculous. Completely ridiculous. But I really enjoyed it. Um, and I would say stream it. Don't pay for it. Um, stream it. I think it's available on Amazon Prime if you've got that. Um, yeah, so Scarecrow 6.5 uh, and stream it. Now, the next film, and I've been looking forward to this film for quite some time, actually, and uh, it's taken me... Um, it's taken me a long time to get round to actually watching it, and it's stung. Uh, it's a 2015 film. I'm no joke. Do you want to hear it? <clears throat> Not really. What is a bee's favorite movie? No idea. Wow, this place is a piece of shit. You'll see it has its charms. Hey there. Put you in charge, huh? You got much experience? Yeah, I'm good at serving drinks. I'm good at consuming alcohol, so really I'm overqualified for the job. He likes you. Yeah, no. I'm pretty sure I'd rather jump off a cliff. Hey, Mr. Mayor, everything okay? Yeah, this party needs an autopsy. <laughs> Did you see that? There are these massive wasps flying around here. You should be careful. They're like this, they're huge. Avoid everything here, it's, it's bad. Oh, poor baby. Thank you all for coming. And for leaving the kids at home. Help! I think something's finished! Get inside right now! Gosh. What the hell just happened? Those bees. They're not bees. Those are wasps. Who gives a shit? Bees, wasps. How the hell can all of this be happening? How do I know when you'll be back? You don't. Who did it? It is directed by Benny Diaz. It stars Matt O'Leary, Jessica Cook, uh, Lance Henriksen, always a good sign, and Clifton Collins Jr., who I think is a superb actor. I really, really do think he's a great actor. So what's the story behind this one? Well, what we've got is a fancy garden party that goes horribly wrong when a swarm of giant mutant wasps attack. Um... This is billed as a horror comedy, 
And yes, there are a few chuckles in it, but the the this this film leans a bit more towards sort of horror, the horror end of the spectrum. Um, the cast are all uh, very much game, um, and they help sort of they do help elevate this film. Um, Lance Henriksen, as always, uh, brings his aim ga- his a game to it, and sort of. Um, you could see that he's gone away and he's thought about his character and he's crafted um, a believable person in this. And um, I'm a big Lance Henriksen fan. Um, the film does run out of steam towards the end. Um, however, it's got some good gore. Um, the special effects are, are pretty good, actually. Um, there's only a few shonky sort of CGI moments. Um, but again, it's another type of film, if you've got a bit of time to kill, and you're looking for something, you know, just just looking for something you can throw on. Um, it doesn't take a great lot of brain power. Um, and again, I think this is streaming uh, free on Amazon Prime. And I would score it a 5.5 out of 10. So we've got a shorter episode than uh, normal this time around, because again, I don't want you to get too bored with my voice. Um, I want to say a enormous thank you to everyone who is supporting the show on Twitter and following and following us at the Facebook page at the uh, at the Undead Rookie Facebook page um, and everybody who's watching on YouTube. Please don't forget to subscribe. Um, you can follow follow me at Twitter at the Undead uh, Wookie, and that's all capitals Undead Wookie uh, or the Undead Wookie. Sorry. Um, Thank you for tweeting, for uh, retweeting, for getting involved. Um, honestly, guys, I really appreciate it. I am really, really humbled um, by by all your sort of your interactions and those. Type. It, it amazes me, and I, it sort of uh, I really, really appreciate it all. Um, as always, I've got some uh, shout outs. As always, I want to give a big, 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 big shout out to my man Blake over at Spivey Point. Um, guys, again, get yourself over to his Twitter account and follow because, in all honesty, he's a font of knowledge. Um, always something interesting. Um, and just a genuinely all round great guy. And Blake, thank you, man, for all your support for the show. Really, really appreciate it. Um, <laughs> I obviously want to give a Big shout out to Cadavercass, um, Jeff and his son Alistair. Guys, again, here is a great, great podcast that you want to fo- you you want to get into and follow. Um, Jeff and Alistair are, like I said, a father and son team, and it is it's a brilliant, brilliant show. I can't say enough about it. So get yourselves over there and uh, take a look at what they've got. Um, now the other one that you need to sort of, uh, if you need to listen to a podcast other than my own, of course, is of course the fantastic horror movie podcast. So guys, get yourselves over and listen to them. They, it is a brilliant, brilliant show. And I can genuinely say it is the inspiration for my own show and why I do it. Um, on there, you've got Jay of the Dead. You've got Wolfman Josh, Josh Legary. Now, you can follow him at Icarus Arts. You've got uh, Dave Becker, 
who um, I must say um, a big, big thank you uh, to um, Dr. Shock himself for all his support and all his tweets and all his kind words about the show. Um, guys, get yourselves over to his um, his blog at DVD Infatuation. It's fantastic. And he covers everything, every type of genre you could possibly imagine. Incredibly insightful. Um, just an all-round great guy. Of course, then we come to uh, my man CJ over at VHS Revival and his blog. Very clever guy. Really, really clever. Great, insightful stuff. Well worth read. So get yourselves over there. Of course, my glamorous gothy gal pals, CL Raven. Um, and again, you can follow them at CL Raven. You can uh, you can go over and you can take a look at their uh, their their website, um, Ravens Retreat. You can follow their uh, their adventures and exploits. Um, I think Venice has just about recovered from their uh, their their recent trip. Um, again, very very clever. The the self-published authors, guys, their books. I, like I said, I've read Soul Asylum. I've got another one uh, in my waiting pile to read. Guys, get over, look at their stuff, buy their books. They are absolutely superb. Um, last couple now, I want to give a big shout out to Schlock Horror. Guys, again, well worth looking at, well worth a read. Um, and of course, I want to say a big thank you to the actress uh, Jamie Bernadette. Um, who is a big supporter of the show now. People may recognise her from the Exorcist TV show. And, of course, um, I Spit on Your Grave, uh, Deja Vu, where she plays the lead role in that. Um, so thank you very much for all your tweets, your likes and your retweets and things. Um, so that just about wraps up episode 12. Again, thank you guys for listening. Please don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, feel free to follow me at the Undead Wookie. Um, that's all capital letters. You can follow the Undead Wookie on the Undead Wookie Facebook page. Now on episode thirteen, that's right, thirteen. Unlucky for some, we will be delving back into sci-fi and we will be talking about Paul Verhoeven's classic RoboCop. Now I'm very, very excited. Now fingers crossed, I should have. Uh, another guest on with uh, with me for that show. And, uh, well, just about wraps us up here. So all that's left for me to say to you is, in the immortal words of Count Duckula, good night out there, whatever you are.